0: Welcome back to another episode of the Soul Lidification Podcast. I'm your host, Mary, spiritual coach and light leader, helping you awaken to your truth and advance on your spiritual journey. So today's episode is pretty cool. We're stemming off a little bit on the spiritual side and bringing in the relationship between mind, body and soul. So still a little bit of spiritual um, content but we are now relating it to our physiology, our physical body. Um, And today I had a chat with my friend, Peter Jung, he's a holistic personal trainer, and he talks us through the relationship between the three. And so I feel like if you like the science between our physiology and how it correlates to our spiritual and mental emotional health, then this episode is definitely for you. I am so excited for today's episode because I am here with my dear friend, Peter Jung. He's a holistic personal trainer, fitness expert, energy coach, business mentor, and light leader. And I know he's about to drop so much knowledge. So thank you so much, Peter, for taking the time and joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. I'm excited to uh, have this deep conversation with you. Um, Obviously, we both have our own versions of uh, how we end up up here. But yeah, I'm just really excited to share my story and see what I can do for you.
0: So Peter and I actually met years ago at a music festival, believe it or not. And throughout the years, we stayed in touch, but we didn't really get close until this past summer of July 2020, um, when we realized we were both on the spiritual path and we shared the same mission and vision. And so we worked together quite a bit. And since then, we've just had each other's backs and we've continued to grow as well. So Peter, if you want, you can just describe yourself, your focus right now and the types of people you've worked with or are currently working with through your holistic approaches.
1: Well, as, as Mary's saying, um, I am a holistic personal trainer. And what that means is I care, I care a little bit more than just your muscles, your bones, your joints. I want to know a little bit more about like what kind of chemistry is going inside your blood while that is all happening? Because i um, when it comes to results you know we could think about you could think about losing weight you could think about building muscle you could build think about building strength um and that's just what we call motivation right but at the end of all this we're, we're just little pieces of chemistry circulating around the earth and uh it's very important for us to understand if we're building muscle or not if we're uh, losing fat or not and why we're not losing fat so as a personal trainer i'm looking at. Uh, you know how you really feel because at the end of the day how you feel is a reflection of your emotions and uh your emotions is a big contribution towards what kind of hormones and uh, other kind of functions that happen within your body so one thing that i like to talk about is when people come to the gym and they say what they want to build muscle and they want to lose fat i always ask them how are you doing today mary i gotta ask you a question if you're angry um what kind of chemicals do you think you're producing in your body
0: not the great ones that's for sure i wouldn't be motivated i wouldn't i I wouldn't be doing anything i'd just be going for the hell of it thinking that it would change me but i know it goes way deeper than that
1: well yeah so i mean like if if you were to think about it um if you're angry would you say that's stress or would you say that's calming
0: stress for sure
1: that's for sure, right? So that being said, if you have stress chemicals inside your body, would you be more constricted or would you be more dilated? Constricted. Constricted, right? So if your muscles are constricted, what would that do to the delivery of your blood? Would it restrict it or would it make it a lot more flow better?
0: Uh, Constricted. It wouldn't, I wouldn't have the, the flow going.
1: yeah. So that being said, right, like if you have constricted blood flow, let's move on to the goals because a lot of people don't pay attention to how they're feeling at a given moment. Or a lot of people also like to hide exactly how they're feeling, but you can see exactly how a person moves. You can see how fast they're training, but everything is shown um, by someone's behavior. That's what we call action, right? So if you can imagine... Um, if you're lifting and you're angry the whole time and you have all these stress chemicals such as cortisol, testosterone, um, estrogen, and all of these other chemicals inside your blood that are uh, catered towards surviving, how is that going to help you with your recovery? Well, let's take a look at if you have constriction in your blood, um, how is that going to help you recover? Uh, if you can think about muscle... What is muscle made out of, Mary? What do we eat so that we can get more muscle? Protein. Protein. So if the thing is, the protein starts off as food, something that you see with your eyes, and then you have to, first of all, communicate to your brain, saying that that's something that we like, that's something that we might enjoy, and something that's going to be beneficial to our body. So all that happens prior to you even putting that in your mouth, right? And once it enters your mouth, then your body has to, uh, you know, chew on it and you taste it and you go through these digestive process, starting from starting from your from your teeth, and then it goes down your throat, goes into your stomach. That's where it gets digested and broken down. Um, so there are certain types of enzymes in there, such as peptides, right? Mm-hmm. You have hydrochloric uh, acid in there as well to uh, break down the fibers, and then your stomach acts as a churn. But moving down, it goes into something called the small intestine where it gets absorbed into this place called the liver. Uh, But anyways, long story short, this is what we call the digestive tract. And it takes a lot for a piece of chicken to turn into protein, uh, which is broken down into something called amino acids. And it has to flow in our body somehow. And how does that, how do you think protein travels in our body? The blood, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the blood, So if you can imagine, everything inside our body is tied to our blood, Mm -hmm. right? So, if you're angry, let's go back to anger. If you're angry and you're trying to build muscle and you need protein in order to build muscle, wouldn't you want your blood flow to be a little bit better to those working muscles?
0: Right, exactly. I love when you say that because people don't realize that the mind, body and soul connection are related to the spiritual healing and personal development because we not only have a physical body, but we also have an energetic body as well. And everything is just like interconnected. So when you say, like prior to even putting food in your mouth, the intentions are so important because how you are starting on a spiritual and mental level, it affects the way your body functions. And both of them need to be in balance to contribute to our holistic health. So just going further into that, uh, I noticed that, you know, when I'm not getting enough sleep, or when I'm not eating the right food, there's a disruption of mental ability for me to gain clarity or receive intuitive messages to self-liberate myself from my suffering or certain triggers. And um, that actually turns into like body pain, whether that's tightening in my hips or like a clog in my throat. So what is the connection with our physiology and our energy and how can we balance the two? Because when we have a misalignment between our energetic and our physiology that obviously shows up in our day-to-day lives, right?
1: Yeah, what an incredible question. And uh, to kind of just make this a little bit easier, um, I wanna trace back to our common friend. He's not, he doesn't actually know us, but we like to imagine that he's our friend, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Uh, He likes to talk about three things, how we think, how we act, and how we feel, right? Uh, if we if we can just look at ourselves right a lot of us like to uh, break down sciences into three categories uh, physics, chemistry and biology right and if we go a little bit deeper into what kind of uh, physiology sciences there are we can even break that down into something called psychology right but realistically if you look at our lives there are you know two sides to it so in spirituality we call it, uh, you know, the divine masculine, the divine feminine. And if we go a little deeper, this is something called the inner child, the mind, body, soul connection, right? That you were talking about earlier. So if we take a look at uh I don't know if you've seen the movie, I think it's called The Rival, but um there's there's a there's a gap between people who are scientific and there's a gap between uh there's another side where people focus more on language, right? So I'd say like The divine feminine is a lot more linguistic, and you have the divine masculine, who is more focused on the the numbers, the angles, you know, things that you can measure. If we take a look at just life in general, we're just atoms, right? We're just uh, energy. But what makes us conscious of this whole reality? I just said the word consciousness, and Sudhoo says it's the difference between a chimpanzee and a human body, like physiologically, is actually one point two three percent. But why are we not chimpanzees. So there's something that's going on within that 1.23% that makes us human beings, that makes us conscious, and that'll allow us to uh, you know, have meaning to our lives. So that being said, what allows us to even have this kind of conversation, right? So how do we even understand what kind of words I'm saying? Well, at the end of all this, we're, I'm just making vibrations. So if I didn't have words, if we didn't have languages and I'd just be making this humming noise. We don't know exactly what that, you know, what that means, right? Right. These are little subcommunications. So this is what we call vibration, vibrations, energy, and frequency, the laws of the universe. So basically language, I just want to go to language. Everything people is trying to study and remember, and they're trying to make it qualitative and quantitative. That is what we call a label, right? A label or a construct. So for example, if we didn't have words, then all you'd be hearing is any kind of like humming noise. But it's because we've labeled a word. It's because we made a construct. We can identify something. It's called a reference point. We can always come back to this. So here's the problem. Everybody has a different meaning to a certain word. For example, I could say apple, but to someone like you or me who loves apples, we'll actually have a positive experience of that word. But if you have someone who had a traumatic experience about an apple, maybe someone threw an apple, at their <laughs> choked head on an way. apple. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That, you have a negative experience, but what did that poor apple do? All it did is provide calories, right? right. Provide calories, energy, right? Mm-hmm. It's such a, you know, a natural thing that didn't do anything to you. But we human beings have something called memory, right? So going to the seven chakras now. So these are our energetic centers of our body. Uh, there's actually, I think around 112 to 114 in our body, but let's just be, let's just focus on like the seven general ones. But anyways, these are parts of our, parts of our body that kind of hold these energy zones. And um, to put simply, like your your legs are called co- it's called the root chakra from your tailbone and your feet, but we call it the root chakras because it serves as a purpose. There's meaning behind our legs. Like for example, what do we use our legs for? Standing up.
0: Walking, walking, moving,
1: moving, right. Um. So, or that—that's the—that's the action part of it. But what about what do our legs provide for us? Stability,
0: strength, stability, right? foundation.
1: Exactly, foundation, right? So that's why we call it the roots. So there is a lot more meaning behind chakras than it is just okay. Let's train our legs. Let's tone it up, and let's improve our metabolism. Because if we don't attach the psychological concepts of our legs then we're just hitting really one aspect of it. And what happens is um, someone can touch you with their words, right? Like you're not only touched by physical touch, you're touched by someone's energy, you're touched by someone's mood. So to neglect your own desires and how you feel inside, and just to say that, okay, I could put that aside, and I just want to you know, lose weight and uh, reduce my stomach line without actually coming to terms with what brought you there you're not going to get those results in the long run because that's what we call a compromise, you know? So when it comes to these centers, you know, the, the crown chakra, the throat chakra, the third eye chakra, all of these are affected by how you perceive life, right? So a person usually comes to me and says, you know, uh, Peter, what do I eat? What do I eat? And I says, you know, I can't make that decision for you. And they're like, yeah, you are. You're the personal trainer. And I said, well, you know what, like, what are you looking for a diet? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want a diet plan. You know, breakfast, lunch and dinner. You, you, you tell me what to eat so I can lose weight. Right. And I say, well, there's two sides to nutrition, right? A lot of people are just thinking about the calories, the micronutrients, the macronutrients, the, the things that they can measure about food. But if you don't enjoy the food that you eat, like we said, if you look at the food and you make love to it prior to it coming into your body, you're actually preparing your hormones, such as your ghrelin levels, right? your insulin levels. Mm-hmm. Everything is communicated prior to an experience. You know, like what motivates us to do something where we're not getting paid right away? Because entrepreneurship is about, you know, reaping the rewards later. It's about getting the harvest later, right? So what motivates us to do that? It's the vision, right? Um, mind, body, soul is everything.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's so true. Like when you attach guilt in anything that you eat, like even if you do eat a salad and you don't feel good about it, it's probably doing more damage than it is doing good.
1: Exactly. Because your vibration is not there, right? Your chemistry is not there. So even if you have the best mm-hmm. foods like broccoli, a boiled chicken, you know, you're reducing your calories. Calories out are a lot higher than calories in. People are still gaining weight. People are still gaining body fat, excuse me, not weight, but body fat. Because a lot of people don't even understand that body fat's not a reflection of excess calories. Body fat is actually a reflection of toxins inside your blood that your body is doing its best to keep away from the bloodstream.
0: Right. And attachment to that too, it's like all, it's all mental and emotional health as well, because going back to the inner child thing, people don't realize that when they feel body pain now or they're having anxiety or stress they actually don't realize that they've taken on the pain body that they've accumulated within them over time since they were a kid that's also contributing to their current anxiety and stress about life and so a lot of people they just try to change their external circumstance whether that's a new job or changing a partner Ooh. or moving to another place not realizing that it's actually the internal changes that they need to shift in order to create a new life. And so my question is for you is what are some of your favorite ways to treat those blockages whenever you do have them?
1: Um, we have to understand the priorities of the body to begin with, right? So outside of our needs of paying the bills and, you know, um, treating ourselves when we feel good about ourselves imagine if we didn't even have these things like jobs we didn't even have houses we, we were just animals so we would actually be living uh off our reptilian body so because there's three parts to our nervous system you have your reptilian body you have your reptilian nervous system you have your uh, emotional body and then you also have your which is what we call the limbic system And then we have something called the neocortex, which is our thinking system, okay? So our thinking system is that 1.23% that separates us from the chimpanzees we talked about earlier, right? Our ability to rationalize, to be conscious, to memorize, to make meaning for, so that's that part. But anyways, if we didn't have this, if we didn't evolve, then we would be in that reptilian body, right? So reptilian body is actually responsible for just simple nature of surviving, so surviving means wake up the next day. That's all that it means. Just wake up the next day. Breathe and wake up the next day. So and this is very apparent and especially at this time, this unfortunate time of COVID-19. What is the only thing that doctors care about in the ICU room? There are two things, right? So they're trying to see whether you're breathing and they're also trying to see how your heart is beating. Your reptilian body is only caring about two things. This is what I call the deep state of the human body it only cares about whether you are breathing and whether what you're doing about it okay cuz breathing there's so much that happens inside breathing you have depth right so depth is how much efficiency you have yeah you know if you have a deep breath you have a lot of you have a lot more volume of oxygen entering your body in one breath and also whether your breath is quivering or not so if your body is shaking right some people mm-hmm. when they breathe in their body is shaking That shows you the nature of your diaphragm muscles, because that's directly tied to this nerve line called the vagus nerve. Your vagus nerve is directly tied to your sympathetic response, which is your survival system. So how you're breathing and also how your heart is beating as well. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to your heart beating, if if your heart is beating fast, that means you're a little excited or it means that you're a little traumatized. Your heart is beating slow. That means you're restful or that your heart is barely surviving. Right, if your heart is expanding and it has high stroke volume, that means your blood is dilated. That means your vessels, like your uh, your arteries, your capillaries, and we're not just talking about around the heart. We're talking about around your fingertips, your toes, your hips. Right, all every single body part, every single body part has trillions of cells, and wouldn't you think that every single cell deserves access to blood flow? Yeah. So that being said, the deep state only cares about you know, how your heart is beating and also how you're breathing because a lot of people feel really bad about uh, their lives, the position that they're in. You know, they feel very sad and this is what we call victimization in psychology. But the truth is, we all have chapters in our lives and the story is never done. Even when you die, the story is never done. And if, as you start to go through a spiritual awakening, I think that's the conversation we're going to have later. We're going to slowly realize that Our life on Earth is just life on Earth. There's so much more dimensions to our consciousness, right? So at least for our time on Earth, you should recognize the value of making sure that your heart quality is very happy and also your breathing is very good as well. So uh, that's what I call choice. You know, you got to understand that everyone has consciousness over their breath. And that is how we can either change the future for the good or surrender to the soil.
0: What do you think is like the best exercise for the oxygenation in the blood and body fluidity?
1: We're just going strictly physical, physical right? first, Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're strictly going physical, then mm-hmm. we have to look at the placement of the cardiovascular system. So we all know where the nerves are, right? Yeah. So if you look at this, if you look at the spinal column, where are the nerves? In the front or the back? It's in the back. But yeah, you look at if you look at the spinal column, the nerve roots are at the back of the spinal column, right? And if you think about an open heart surgery, you can't really save the heart because that's what we're trying to do in a surgery, right? But what do they do to make sure that you can come back from this? You protect the brain, right? You have to oxygenate the brain. So what does that say about our consciousness? We need to make sure that the nerve roots always has access to oxygen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So. Anyways, we're always trying to protect the nervous system first, because if we don't protect the nervous system, we essentially are in a coma. So that's why our nerves are at the back of the body, because we have to protect our nerves with our lives, because it's not only for sensory information. That's just one part of it. We call that dermatome and myotomes, right? Sensing is one part of it. And then we have something called consciousness. And this is where we start to um, intellectualize our information. And then we have something called motor output neurons called efferent neurons. And this is where we start to send a signal to create a relationship with our environment. So anyways, that's the whole nervous system at the back. But when you're talking about arteries now, you want to expand your ability to breathe better. Well, we have to consider where the arteries are. So if the nerves are in the back, where are the arteries? In the front they're actually in the front of the mm-hmm. spine exactly right because if you look at our rib cage just think just think about our trunk in general you have this massive trunk that's just standing in t- in front of this in front of the spinal column how crazy is that right so all of our organs are inside this rib cage so if you can imagine there's so many organs there there's so much tissue there so wouldn't it need blood supply it needs arteries Arterials, ve- uh, sort capillaries, veins, and venules. Right. So that is what we call the cardiac. Uh, excuse me, the cardiovascular system, including the lungs and the heart. Uh, so if you can imagine, if the front consists of all the capillaries and the arteries and the cardiovascular system, which is responsible for uh, transporting all of the oxygen-rich blood in our body, wouldn't you want to expand that part? Yeah. So this is what we call, yeah. So that's why I ch- I encourage everybody, anybody who wants to increase their cardiovascular capacity to go into a back bridge.
0: Mm. If they if they can't do a back bridge, then what what would be a good beginner <laughs> option?
1: Well, well, here's the thing, right? Because that really depends on your posture. It depends on your experience of you know how right. well do you trust your body. Because if you're a person who had experience as a child and you understand mm-hmm. the dimensions of movement, then going back into fitness like this is going to be very easy. It's going to be very welcoming. And at the same time, that's probably the reason why you're cranky to begin with, because your inner child is saying, hey, I used to like this. I used to love right. this. And you just stopped it because life got too serious. Mm-hmm. So most people who are in pain, I always ask them, hey, what did you do when you were a kid? And if they they had no experience as a kid, then I know they're in fear. If they had tons of experience when they were a kid, then I tell them, you're grumpy.
0: (laughs) What do you do to loosen them up? Like if that is the case?
1: Well, here's the thing. It's so funny. No matter how bad shape people are in, as long as they have some experience, they have that's called muscle memory, right? And even if they have SI joint problems, even if they have low back problems, I just get them to walk slowly and I teach them. Remember what it was like <laughs> to be a kid and just not give a shit right? about. Yeah. Not care about your age. Mm-hmm. And then they, I just get them to embrace those chemists, those chemicals for a little bit, you know, just remember what it's like to feel that inner child. And they start to move like they a child again. And they're actually healing while they're taking those steps. Everyone, all the doctors say, Hey, don't run. Don't do this. Don't do this. But it's actually healing them. I have an SI joint. I'm not going to name her, give her name, but she came to me um, two weeks ago and she's been seeing doctors and physios and cars. And she spent tens of thousands of dollars into rehab and therapy, but it's not working because they're not telling her how to feel appreciative about herself, about all the hard work she's doing. They're not talking to her about those kind of things. Right? So I just sat down with her, and she, yeah, so she came to me about SI joint, prob, uh, SI joint pain dysfunction. That's when you're like, you know, you know your uh, back dimples, just one side's hurting really bad. It's like a hip problem, right? It's, it's very close to sciatica, but it's very immobilizing, right? To a point you can't even sleep. But I just had her sit down with me for 20 minutes, and we were just talking about life, and I was just calling her out on how frustrated her body was. And she's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's so true. Like, you know, life just caught up and uh, this happened. And I, and I said, okay, well, my job as a personal trainer is to distract you with words so that I can chemically change you while you're in the stretch. So the stretch was actually sitting down on the floor, crossing your legs, right?
0: Mm-hmm. But I had her
1: sit down with me for 20 minutes. And when she stood up, she could not believe her eyes that all it required her to do was just sit her ass down. And that's what we call grounding in spirituality, right?
0: Yeah, it's more like a mindset, like spiritual and emotional shift. And I love when you say that because, Absolutely. um, yeah, it is more than just your physical body. And when you tied it back to the inner child, it's like when we started to become older and we started to become more serious, we put on all these coats of fears, of limiting beliefs that we just carried on our lives that we don't know how it is. To be like a child again, but mm-hmm. it's important to not neglect that part of ourselves because it's what needs to be acknowledged and attended to in order to live a fulfilling and happier life. What would you say would be like a good mental or spiritual practice to tap into that parasympathetic system and to bring everything together in order to create lasting changes?
1: Yeah, the first thing is this so because we can always go back to like what's the right exercise, what's the right technique for all this, but. At the end of the day, there's something we have to understand about consciousness, right? If you don't know, you don't know. If you're naive, you slap yourself on the wrist. You know, you slap yourself, you know, you, you slap on the wrist and you say, okay, never again. So if you don't know, right, you've never experienced something in your life. You don't have a point of reference. That's what we call unconscious incompetence, right? So for example, if you, like in, in the East, like back in the day, I'd say like maybe past the 90s, um being overweight in asia was actually a positive thing is because it shows that you come from a wealthy family it shows that you're taken care of right but what does that mean in in the west
0: bad (laughs) you're obese you're
1: You're fat yeah you indulge too much you can't control yourself right so that's what we call consciousness you didn't know you didn't know that what you were doing was wrong you didn't know what you were doing was hurting yourself right So that's what we call unconscious incompetence. But someone lets you know that there's something going on. Someone brings to your attention, there's something going on, right? And that's what we call conscious incompetence, where you're conscious about not doing what you thought you were doing. And then you move on to something very shortly. You can make a decision from this point. You can either be conscious and be sad about what's happening, or you can be like, okay, well, now I know that this is not the right path for me. So, that's when you go into a shift, but this is the hardest part for most people is because if you don't have a point of reference, then what are you going to guide yourself with? Right? So that's why a lot of people are stuck in their fears because everything is unknown from the future, but Hey, that's life. We did it as a kid, right? Why does it change? All of a sudden we get, you know, the brain to have those high, high beta waves, right? And all of a sudden, just because we could think we are limiting we were limited. It's it's actually the opposite. Because we have these, this ability to be rational and think, we should be able to strategically structure our future better, right? But that's not what happens to the average person. So anyways, that's what we call conscious competence. When you start to find a point of reference, when you can start to lean on to people um, and get their guidance, and it's in tune with where you're trying to go, that's what we call conscious competence, right? So You have to consciously be competent, meaning that you have to pay attention to whether you're doing something right. And that usually takes about anywhere from uh, zero to a thousand hours, right?
0: Right. So it has to be a consistent thing.
1: Yeah, because it's just learning. Like if you don't know, you don't know. So it just takes practice. So any kind of exercise is always going to be shitty Mm -hmm. at the very beginning, but you keep practicing the same thing over and over. And next thing you know, 10,000 tries go beyond. Um, you know, just come past you and all of a sudden you're master.
0: It's obviously easier said than done, I know, for a lot of people. And I know you've had your experiences where we both had insecurities and to get to where we are now, it wasn't all smooth sailing. So what is it that you did mentally and spiritually that got you to where you are today and that you continue to grow with?
1: Oh boy, that's a huge story. Um, there's, There's obviously so many components to how I got here and I, and I don't want to say that I intentionally got here quite honestly everything happened by accident
0: right well what helped you um
1: and I and yeah well here's the thing so here I'll just give a little brief background about how I got here to begin with uh so low self-esteem is something I think that everyone has to be conscious of because that's the essence of how you see your, your the image of yourself. When you look in, when you go into the washroom, you stare yourself in the mirror, and the emotion that you express is actually how you feel about yourself. And for me, it was low growing up. Um, why we can get into that, but that's not the main important part. But essentially, throughout university, I kept justifying to myself: the smarter I am, the more I study, the better I look, the happier I'm going to be. And I think that's a lot things that a lot of people go through. They have to justify their happiness. No, but happiness just means that you're energetically, you know, elevated. Right. Right. Your chemistry is great. You have tons of energy um, and you're not stressed out. So that's what happiness means. But a lot of people justify their happiness. So that's how I ended up here in the first place. So uh, because of all of that, you know, I, I, I started studying and I started studying perfectionism and, This is where my second dark night of the soul happened. And like three years ago, I was so, you know, caught up in having the perfect workout routine, you know, having uh, 10% body fat and still being able to eat whatever the hell I wanted to eat. But what happened was, you know, I was 165 pounds. I had abs. I was deadlifting 500 pounds. I had 400 pound squat. I had a three plate bench press at a weight of 165, right? Which is crazy crazy for a small guy like me and long story short I got upset at work Uh, I got really angry and my face went numb on the right side
0: oh my god and
1: yeah within within a few seconds I thought I was going to die I was angry at one point and the next thing you know I can't feel my face and my brain stopped working and I'm like oh shit so yeah
0: so that translated into physical pain essentially your physical
1: exactly right a lot of people think oh mental health is mental health emotional health is emotional health and physical health is physical health no they're they're tied together remember mental health is just our constructs it's just our labels everything that we think that's what we call soft energy because it's just images right But you translate that into emotional energies because that's what our chemistry is and then we take action and make it real and that's what we call physical energy or hard energy So, yes, that's exactly the bridge. You know, that's what I had to go through by accident in order to get here. It only happens to you if you don't pay attention to the signs coming to it. And I think that's something that a lot of people are suffering from. is just we get so caught up on staring at things outside of ourselves. Like, when's the next promotion? When's the next vacation? Okay, like, you know, oh, hey, I'm looking in the mirror. I'm not happy, but I think I deserve a snack.
0: Mm Mm-hmm you're not consciously aware of what you're doing you're just replying to what your mind is telling you which is not you and i know you meditate a lot too would you say that that's helped you because we always go back and forth our conversations are literally only about meditation and like what did you meditate today
1: (laughs) right so meditation okay so i'm not going to get into the details of what meditation means but how i practice meditation is just you know when you open your eyes 80% of your calories are actually going to your brain, and your spinal cord, just trying to figure out, okay, how do I take action? Right? And that's what we call the sympathetic response. But that's what happens the minute, the second you open your eyes, you go into sympathetic is because you have to interact with the outside world. But what happens is the minute you close your eyes, you close your eyes, all of a sudden, that strongest sensor that makes us human being gets shut off. And now we're limited to not limited, excuse me. We're broadening and deepening the other sensors, which we have five senses of perception, right? We have our sight, our hearing, our smell, our taste, and what we call touch. So that's what we call dermatomes and myotones, our feelings, or muscle spindles, right? Um, but yeah, the idea is when you close your eyes, you're going to be able to get in tune with all of the other senses because a lot of people are so caught up in what they see but the truth is, can you see oxygen? Can you see nitrogen? Can you see carbon? Maybe densely, as diamonds, right? But can you see uh, helium and hydrogen? Nope. Oh, but but how do you know they exist? Because they exist in a microscope. Yeah. So a lot of people are so caught up in oh, I can't see it, I can't see it. Well, just because you don't see it doesn't mean doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Just because you specifically as one person can't see it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like um, you say for physical body, yeah, you got to exercise the heart to make sure the blood is flowing and oxygenating the blood and um, for mental and spiritual tapping into your parasympathetic nervous system is very important because it takes your attention away from all the external Mm -hmm. distractions and brings you closer to who you are at your truest core. And so That's really important if you want to keep growing and in self-development, because we are distracted by so many things outside of ourselves that it's easy to get influenced. And so if you're in touch with your true inner nature, you're going to have an easier time becoming aware and not paying attention to the negative thoughts that are coming up on autopilot. Like I know what I do. um, I know me and you, we actually talk about this a lot. We go through shadow work. And if people don't know what shadow work is, it's just essentially getting to the root of your traumas uh, of your shadows and letting things resurface, your fears, your limiting beliefs and transmuting that into higher states of consciousness. So you're able to tap into the stillness within you and step into your full potential. And so what I do is I journal, I meditate, I listen to music, I pray, and that's helped me a lot. And Physical wise, I do yoga. I I weight train a little bit, but I stress a lot on mm-hmm. flexibility too. I talk to you about flexibility a lot because you're super flexible, and I always want to become more flexible because I feel mm-hmm. how lighter I am when blood is flowing easily, when I'm able to move my body and nothing is tight, uh, nothing is out of alignment. So, in your perspective, like what's a good spiritual detox look like for you in a way where you're aligned mind, body, and soul?
1: yeah so um, going back to meditation right you are your best doctor and i don't mean that to disrespect mm-hmm. the medical services or anything like that but the truth is a lot of people judge based on what they see and what they've read right but only you know how you feel inside depression is not clinical depression it starts off with chemical depression right so chemical depression is when you don't actually have serotonin melatonin and dmt being produced in your body and that happens when your ribcage is not going down and up because your diaphragm is not pushing your organs down and it's not right. Cause a lot of people don't even know what, how to breathe properly because they don't even know what the diaphragm looks like. The diaphragm, it's like a plunger. You know, when you clog the toilet, you want to plunge, you know, you want to use the plunger to create that vacuum. That's going to, you know, create that force and push the, pl- uh, you know, push the pipes down. But likewise, Where are all of our hormones? It's it's in our glands, right? It's in our organs. And we don't get those movements unless the diaphragm is functioning. So the diaphragm actually pushes down the stomach, you know, the pancreas, the liver, the gallbladder, the spleen. Everything that's inside our body is getting pushed down every time you inhale. And every time you gasp for a breath like this. (sighs) you're pushing down the organs and you're bringing it down to your pelvic floor, which ends up touching your feet. So a lot of people, they don't pay attention to little details that knee pain is not actual real knee pain. That's a cry for instability, right? When you feel nerves in your life, do you want to sit down or do you want to run around and flay your arms out? When you're angry, what do you want to do? You want to stay rigid, right? When you're happy, what do you want to do? When you feel in love, what do you want to do? You want to open up your chest. You want to hug someone. What meditation does, it allows you to look inwards and it tells you exactly where your joints are hurting, where your organs are hurting. You know, they're called muscle trigger points for a reason because they're emotional trigger points. Okay, because, you know, all of our emotions are actually stored inside water. Right? And what is most of our muscles made of? Water. What is most of our blood made of? Water. Right? So... Emotions are circulating through our hemoglobin. It's circulating through our myoglobin. It's circulating everywhere. So if you have anger hormones, imagine what happens to a muscle. It's stuck. That's why I say consciousness is something that is a gift. Now that you know, you're able to take action in a different way because you didn't have that signal to begin with, right? So here's the thing about meditation and pain that people really need to understand. A lot of people don't understand that they would rather feel desensitized than to feel pain. And that's a big no no, is because if you don't feel, then it does not dismiss the fact that it's damaged.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right?
1: It's still there, right? So just because your foot is numb, you know, doesn't mean it's healed. What if it's purple? It's going gonna, it's gonna to affect all the other cells later, right? Just like a tomato that's rotting and you have another tomato that's fresh. It's going to get molded the next day just because it's next to each other. And that's the same thing that happens to ourselves. Everything is just trying to stay alive. And feeling is not a bad thing. Feeling is actually quite incredible. Even though you're feeling pain, well, that's something that happened to you over time unless it's something like uh, a car accident, you know, you had no idea. That is an unfortunate accident that you would have to survive from and deal with. That is not your fault, not your, you know, but it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility, right? But typically lifestyle disease, illnesses like diabetes, stroke, cancer, metabolic syndrome, fibromyalgia, these are all things that are lifestyle oriented. So people need to take responsibility over how they got here in the first place. People are going to start pointing fingers initially say, Oh, it's because of my boss. It's because of my family members. It's because of this, 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 my age. But the truth is everyone has an opportunity to just make one different decision that would have changed the outcome of your life. And as long as you're conscious of that, we can change our lives. But a lot of people are replaying the same as, as Dr. Joe Dispenza says. Ninety percent of our lives are replayed from yesterday. And if you take those ninety, you know, ninety percent of those thoughts that are replayed from yesterday, well, they're actually, you know, anywhere from seventy to hundred thousand thoughts in a day that are in high beta because of stress. Right? If you're in high beta, you're most likely focused on one thing, than to look at the big picture, which means you're going to be a stubborn individual.
0: I love how you kind of brought the law of attraction into it too, because your thoughts manifest into your physical reality. And that's so true. Um, I just want to move it back to this summer when we first realized that we had the same mission and vision. The world was in a very dark place at that time. And together, giving that value, I remember every single week you were holding 30 minute workshops, just trying to help people. And I was with you on that. And That's helped us over time attract so many synchronicities and opportunities, fulfilling our mission more confidently. And I think you and I can both agree on that it wasn't all smooth sailing all the time, but we were able to lean into the discomfort and continue to grow mind, body, and soul because we had each other and we attracted a loving community, which we now call our soul family. Because. We trusted the process and that everything will unfold in perfect divine timing. So what were those results in your life from trusting in divine timing and how did everything unfold for you?
1: The idea of divine timing is realizing that whatever we think we know is in the past. Whatever that has to change is existing in the future. And if if you are trying to look for something different in your future, then it can't, be in the past you can't look at things that are certain you can't look at things that are you know familiar to you that make you feel good because those things are only gonna you know novelty only comes once right so you can't look back at the same how i met your you know how i met your mother episodes and try to experience the same thing same emotions you know go watch the office five six times you're not going to get the same emotions you felt the first time you watched it Right. So likewise, divine timing is about just going into the future, knowing what you want, but taking a look at whether the environment around you is serving that purpose you're looking for. And that unfortunately takes you to get out of your comfort zone. It requires you to say, hey, I am going to fall. There's a very good chance I'm going to fall, but you know what? Hey, at least I know this is not the way to go. And that in itself is growth that in itself is what we call divine timing
0: it's like trusting the process that even if things don't go well right now you know that it's not failure because you're gonna either learn something from it or it's gonna propel you to your success or to un- pivot you in a new direction where you are going to experience that growth
1: yeah well, google maps and apple maps makes mistakes sometimes sometimes they don't uh you know sometimes they don't take you the right route because the uh, you know the the traffic hasn't been updated fast enough. Sometimes it takes you to a route where a traffic accident just happened and you're actually three hours late to work now. It happens, right? But it's not changed the fact that you still have to go into work.
0: Yeah, exactly. And if things don't go your way, it's just the universe telling you that you need to go in a different direction because this is a better path for you. And I feel like, you experienced that in your life where things seem to be confusing at times, but you trusted the process and you trusted in divine timing and it took you to somewhere better than you thought.
1: Sometimes, yeah. Well, sometimes the universe is going to ask you to change paths, but sometimes the universe is just going to ask you to slow down and wait. Right. Right. Cause if you're in a traffic jam and there are tons of cars around you, Realistically, are you going to be able to move your car and say, Hey, let's change paths? No. Sometimes you gotta actually just sit in it, right? And you gotta make use of your time. Right. So for example, if I'm in a jam, might as well listen to a podcast, right? I'll probably listen to some solar vacation.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I feel like I'm really bad at that right. because I'm always initiating and um, sometimes I just gotta chill out. Like when in doubt, chill out and That's so important because many people think they have to keep doing and doing and doing when they just need to stop for a second, take a look at their life and make a conscious decision from there to maybe just wait for whatever it is that's coming to them and then make a decision when that that happens. So I love that.
1: Well, if you think about it, yeah, if you think about what anxiety means, anxiety means that you're in the future, right? Depression means you're in the past. That's uh, that's the art of the Tao. So happiness is when you're in the present, and that's why we call it a gift, right? So if you think about anxiety, anxiety is when people are living in the future. So that means the timing is wrong. That's why sometimes you just want to wait, because what you're looking for, the anxious thing that you're looking for, okay, that exists in the future. It's not now, but what controls the trajectory of how fast the earth goes around the sun (laughs) <laughs> just the universe right so sometimes we have to wait for our opportunity sometimes we do see the future cuz i'm i'm one person who gets yelled at all the time for oh hey peter just, you know get back to reality cuz i'm always yes. envisioning things just like i'm sure <laughs> Yeah we, we the right we're thing, the same right? but our times in the future yeah we're our times in the future but the thing is we jump into the future because we see the vision but When we come back to the present, that's when we can say, okay, look, the future is there. Here is the present. Let's fill in the gap. And that's what we call a system.
0: Exactly. That's so good. Yeah. So it's like having that clear direction, you mean, is like what you need in order to get there because you can't just keep living in the future. That'll just create more anxiety. And um a lot of the times
1: Exactly. Why am I not there yet?
0: Yeah. And a lot of the times like you know me, like I like to do things alone, but some things you just can't do alone. So it's so important to have the right people around you because you are yeah. you can be a ma- master on one thing, but maybe you need to incorporate other other things in your life that you have no idea about. That's why having people like you and like all my mentors and coaches, like it's so important to have the right people around you because you are the five people that you surround yourself with.
1: Well, yeah, the truth is we're all like the only reason why we're here is because we teamed up together like a tribe. Right. Because That's what makes us human being our ability to trust one another through our words without having to physically be there.
0: Well, thank you so much. I think that's all we have time for today. I promise it's not the last time me and Peter will get together. This is just part one of our interview because we could talk about anything and absolutely everything from shadow work to inner child to quantum physics to bringing spirituality in your business absolutely everything and so i just want to let everyone know that i'll be posting peter's social handles on this episode description so you guys can reach him if you have any questions peter where can we find you online
1: follow my instagram channel uh it's move your blood so that is my purpose to teach you how to move your blood for Just the sole purpose of getting your heart to pump nicely. If you have any other questions related to uh, just your health and your conscious development, just feel free to send me a DM and I'll do my best to uh, get back to you within 24 hours, 48 hours. Move your blood at on Instagram. That's the best way to to reach me.
0: Yeah. And I can tell everyone Peter is the best at what he does. He's worked with so many incredible people. And people look up to him a lot because he is an expert. And so I highly encourage everyone to shoot a message if this is something that you resonate with. But yeah, thank you, Peter. We'll be talking again soon for sure. And for everyone who is listening, thank you for making it till the very end. Uh, we are beaming you so much love, light and healing energy. Take care of your body, take care of your soul and surround yourself with people that feed your fire. Um, thank you for doing this work. And until next Thursday, namaste.